Welcome to Rams Up. This is an L.A. Rams podcast. We'll touch on other SoCal sports news of merit, but it's mostly about the Rams here. Thank you for joining us. You can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com and visit our website at laramsup.com. And please don't forget, subscribe and give us that five-star rating. We really appreciate it. Let's get to it. Greetings, Ram fans. Episode 15 of our inaugural season here. We're going to lead off with some Rams news, NFL news as well. We'll follow that up with a little bit of SoCal baseball and basketball news. Our main segments today, though, we will present our roster locks. What players do we think are locks for the Rams 53-man roster? That will raise some eyebrows. We will also take a look at the over and under win totals out of Vegas for all of the NFC teams. Which teams am I buying and which teams am I selling? Next week, we will do the same for the AFC teams. And we also have our greatest play number five, my favorite Rams play number five, and our countdown. So first, let's get through some Ram news. Off-season workouts continued Phase 2 just concluded. That was May 17th through 21st. Phase 3 will cover four weeks, 10 traditional organized team activities, full speed but no contact, May 24th through June 18th. The Phase 2 that just concluded, no contact, virtual meetings, that sort of thing. And what was the singular most important thing we learned out of that Phase 2 workout session? It was a photo someone shared with me of the Rams' interior offensive line. And that photo showed David Edwards at left guard, no surprise there, Austin Corbett at center, and Bobby Evans at right guard. So that changes everything. This is the information we have been waiting for. Now, it's not necessarily a final lineup, but it gives an indication of what the Rams were thinking all along while we were postulating. Perhaps Brian Allen reclaims that starting position. Maybe Tremaine Ankrum's ready, or our line of thinking that they are going to draft a center or interior lineman. Or maybe they're going to slide Austin Corbett over and backfill the right guard position. And that appears to have been the plan all along. And that explains why um, a lot of these mock drafts were wrong, including mine, expecting the Rams to draft a center early. And even more interesting was Bobby Evans at right guard. So this lineup, Edwards, Corbett, and Evans, really does hammer home the fact that the Rams are content with their offensive line, and it makes sense now. If these three guys are starting on the interior offensive line, and you have Andrew Whitworth and Rob Havenstein on the outside, you still got guys like Joseph Nopum, Brian Allen, Tremaine Ankrum, and don't forget Coleman Shelton and Chandler Brewer, two guys that the Rams apparently think are ready to contribute. The line could be actually in pretty good shape, and it makes sense that the Rams wouldn't share that information, although they sort of kind of did. I mean, they alluded to the fact that, hey, we're okay with our offensive line, but no one really knew if they were intending on picking a center or guard, including the other 
31 teams in the NFL. Maybe the Rams had their eyes on Landon Dickerson, who went in the second round number 37 overall, or Aaron Banks, who they had interviewed and went in the second round number 48 overall. But I don't think the Rams really intended on drafting one of them. I think the Rams were happy to play this game of, yeah, maybe we're going to draft a center. Other teams pick these guys up, and the guys the Rams really want drop to them. And I say this because they still passed on Josh Myers and Creed Humphrey and Quinn Meniers, three highly rated centers. So I think the plan was all along to not draft interior offensive line, move Corbett to center, and Bobby Evans to guard. That's the really interesting thing, in my opinion. But all worked out. The other thing that may change is last week, I asked the question, who of the undrafted free agents is most likely to make the team? And I may want to hedge my bet on that. I had said Jordan Meredith, the center. But now, the way this is lining up with Bobby Evans playing guard, maybe Alaric Jackson is the guy that has the best chance of making the team. Another tackle to back up Whitworth and Havenstein rather than another interior offensive lineman. They seem to have, they may even have a surplus of guys on the interior now. I think maybe tackle is what they need. I'm thinking you all saw those videos of Robert Rochelle and his vertical leaping. They reminded me of those similar videos of J.J. Watt the year he was drafted. I think Rochelle's were more impressive. I also loved that video of Andrew Whitworth leading the team in an end-of-practice huddle. little speech about developing habits to get to that damn Super Bowl. Loved it. Darnell Mooney, the Bears wide receiver, trolling Jalen Ramsey. Is it every week someone trolls Jalen Ramsey? Don't poke the bear, guys. If you guys are unaware of what I'm referring to, Mooney updated his bio to say that he was the father of Jalen Ramsey. Apparently, he was referring to a play in the Rams-Bears game last year. I went back and looked at that play, and I remember watching it when it occurred, and it was almost a big play. Mooney settling in the left flat. Ramsey jumps the route. Mooney takes off. The quarterback heaves the ball way too long. An accurate pass would have been a big play. But I think the quarterback was under extreme pressure. That really didn't have much of a chance of being a big play. Ramsey probably made the right call to jump the route. And Mooney is going to point to this as evidence that he has Ramsey's number. I'm not buying it. He finished that game with three catches for 40 yards, but kind of a silly thing for Mooney to do, in my opinion, especially considering they face off game one. Pro Football Focus came out with their top 32 running backs, somehow managed to omit Cam Akers. There are some theories that it was just an oversight on their part. I certainly hope so. They had Tony Pollard, James White, and Chase Edmonds, among others, on that list, but no Cam Akers. They also had two rookies, two guys that have not set foot on an NFL field yet. So I call bull. That's all I'm going to say about that. Their top 32 receivers that they came out with a few days later, I didn't have too much problem with it. They had Woods at 29 and Cup at 30. That was behind Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, whatever. I can see that, I guess. But it was interesting what they had to say about Woods in that same article. 
They said Woods ranks among the top 15 graded wide receivers since 2017, while also slotting into the top five in both yards after the catch per reception and percentage of catchable targets caught. That sounds like higher than number 29 to me. Their supporting evidence didn't really align with where they had him ranked, in my opinion. Patrick Mahomes bringing up something that I've heard discussed among some friends of mine, putting a chip in the ball so they can tell when a touchdown is scored rather than trying to pull 11 guys off a pile to see where the ball ended up at. I know we have the technology to do this. We can put a man on the moon and rocket ships to Mars. How about a chip in a football? So count news. Lakers won that game against the Warriors, the play-in game, and are facing off against the Phoenix Suns. That game against the Warriors was a lot of fun. It was like schoolyard basketball from what I could tell. LeBron makes a clutch shot at the end. That was a lot of fun. The Clippers, meanwhile, appear to have their hands full with the Mavericks in the first round. Pujols is coming through for the Dodgers. I bet against that. So for now, it looks like I'm on the wrong side of that projection, but we'll see. And boy, have the Dodgers got things turned around in a hurry. They're on a seven-game winning streak. Problem is, the Padres are on a nine-game winning streak. Those two teams, Padres, Dodgers, two best records in baseball. They're actually in a virtual tie. Dodgers are one game behind, but the Padres have played six more home games than the Dodgers. So that's going to be a fun thing to watch through the summer and into the fall, see how these two teams battle it out. I do not think the Padres are going away anytime soon. Mike Trout injured. The Angels' woes continue. And the last thing on baseball, it seems like baseball makes most of their news when it comes down to unwritten rules and how certain players violate them. It happened again between the White Sox and Twins. Set the stage for you. The White Sox have an 11-run lead, so the Twins decide in the ninth inning to bring in a position player to pitch. Two outs in the ninth, 3-0 and count. The Twins have one more at bat to make up 11 runs. Your man Mercedes gets to 3-0. and is given the take sign, either ignored it or missed it. Next pitch, launches a home run. Now I'm not going to get into a big debate about whether that's appropriate or not. I see both sides of the argument. The one thing I will say about it is, the reality of this situation is, the Twins will very likely retaliate, and in fact they did. And that to me is reason enough to take the gosh darn 3-0 and pitch you get to 3-1, and one, yeah, go ahead and swing. You get an 11-run lead. If it gets to 3-1, and one, go ahead. Take your hack. Take the 3-0 and o pitch. Is it worth getting balls thrown at your teammates' heads or perhaps your own head? That's all I'm going to say about that. I, I do see both sides. We can argue all day long about this, but instead, how about we get back to some Rams football? Bit of a slow time in the NFL. Got free agency in the draft behind us. Not a whole lot of news, though. Thought it would be a great time to look at some odds. And in this case, I'm looking at the 
over and under win totals for all of the teams in the NFL. This week I'm looking at just the NFC. So which teams am I buying and which teams am I selling and which teams am I not touching either way? NFC only, this is what I came up with. Remember this is a 17-game schedule when I give you these numbers, but a handful of teams that I think are fairly spot on as far as Vegas is concerned. Chicago Bears were 8-8 eight and eight last year. Win total this year is 7. Detroit Lions 5-11 and 11 last year. Vegas has them at 5 wins. Not touching either of those. I think they're pretty spot on. New Orleans 12-4. and four. This year they're over-under win totals down to 9. Not touching that. Cardinals. They get the third place schedule out of the NFC West. Vegas says 8 wins. Wouldn't touch the over-under on that one. Atlanta Falcons 4-12 last year. Vegas has them at 7 wins. Sounds about right. Seattle, first place team out of the NFC West. Vegas has them 9.5. I'll go along with that. Cowboys also 9.5. After going 6-10 last year, they get Dak back. This is Coach McCarthy's second year. Most people think they will get things squared away to some degree. The Eagles, 6-10 last year. The over-under on them this year is 6.5. Steady and mediocre as she goes for the Eagles. I'm okay with that. Two teams that I wouldn't touch. Actually, I don't even know if there should be a line on these teams yet. Green Bay, 10.5 wins. I assume that's with Aaron Rodgers without. If you could get Green Bay under 10.5 right now, you're betting that Rodgers retires or moves on. That would be a great bet if you can get it. The Vikings, eight and a half. Sounds about right, but that could swing one game either way based on what happens with Aaron Rodgers. Those two teams arch rivals. If Rodgers is gone, I'm taking a Viking sweep. If Rodgers is there, possible Packer sweep or they'll split them. But that's enough for me to say I'm not touching it. Who am I taking the under on? Tampa Bay, 11 and a half wins. They're bringing everybody back. They get the AFC East on their schedule, the Jets, Pats, Dolphins, and Bills. They obviously get the Saints, Panthers, and Falcons twice. They get the Giants, Eagles, and Jets. So it is a weak schedule. But they also get the Rams, Bears, and Colts. And I discussed this in the segment opening. Tampa Bay really thrived against weak teams last year. I think they're going to have a hard time getting the 12 wins myself. So I take the under on that. 10, 11 wins. Another team I'd take the under on, and I was kind of surprised I came to this conclusion because actually going in, I kind of like them. I think they have a chance at repeating as the NFC East champions. That's the Washington football team, of course. They were 7-9 and nine last year winning that title. They lost to the Bucks, 31-23 in the wild card round. The Vegas number on them this year Eight wins. They have a great defense. Love their coach, Ron Rivera. Ryan Fitzpatrick is their new quarterback. Their top two draft picks were the linebacker, Jamin Davis, more D for a great D, and the wide receiver, Diami Brown. Uh, You may remember I really liked him for the Rams, actually. Who do they got on their schedule? They have the AFC West, Chargers, Raiders, Chiefs, Broncos. 
and they have the NFC South, Tampa Bay and New Orleans, among others. They also get the Bills, Seahawks, and Packers. So I think they're going to have a hard time. Good chance they're going to end up with less than that. Even though I kind of like the team, schedule doesn't work in their favor, so I'm taking the under on them. Who am I taking the over on? Carolina Panthers, 5-11 and last year. The win total, Vegas says, 7.5. They have that great running back, Christian McCafferty. Sam Darnold comes in as their new quarterback. Two solid draft picks, perhaps the best cornerback, J.C. Horn, and a very good offensive tackle, Brady Christensen. They get the NFC East on their schedule. They're going to get two wins out of that pack. AFC East, they get the Jets, Pats, Dolphins, and Bills. And who else do they get? The Vikings, Texans, and Cardinals. I think it sets up real nice for the Panthers. Sam Darnold's underrated. I think they get to eight or nine wins. Another team, Ram fans are going to be sad to hear this, but I got to say, San Francisco, 10 and a half wins. Last place schedule out of the NFC West. That means they get the Eagles, Lions, Packers, Bears, Falcons, Vikings, Titans, Bengals, Texans, and Jags. They should go 500. In the NFC West, can they pick up another eight wins out of that schedule? I think so. I take the over on the 49ers, sad to say. And lastly, the Rams, 10-6 and six last year. The win total on them this year is 10.5. With an extra game on their schedule with a new quarterback. I've already said in my schedule review that the floor for them is 11 wins, so I'm taking the over on the Rams for sure. They get the NFC North, Vikings, Bears, Packers, Lions, and the AFC South, Titans, Texans, Colts, and Jags. And as I mentioned, a little bit unlucky on that second-place schedule, Bucks, Ravens, and Giants. In the last team I'm taking the over on, the New York Giants were 6-10 and 10 last year. The over-under on them this year is 7. I don't feel real strongly about this, but I definitely take the over. They have a very good defense. They play in a lot of close games. Their offense really struggled last year. Saquon Barkley comes back. They added Kenny Galladay and John Ross. They also added Adoree Jackson for the defense. Kyle Rudolph, the tight end, came over. And they're bringing back one of the best defensive linemen in the league, Leonard Williams. Who do they have on their schedule? Broncos, Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders. Not necessarily an easy run there. Rams, Dolphins, Bears. Not so easy there either. Saints, Bucks, Falcons, and Panthers. But the question is, but the question is, can they get three or four wins in their own division? Very possibly. Another three or four against the rest of the schedule? I like their chances there too. So, wouldn't put a lot of money on that one, but I like the over on the Giants. More than seven wins. Next week, we will look at the AFC over-under betting angles. Greatest Rams Plays Countdown continues. My favorite 10 Ram plays over the years watching the Rams. We've got 10 through 6 in the books, plus the 5 honorable mentions. 
You can check them all out on our website, ramsup.com. Today, we're on to play number five. This was a playoff game, January 7th, 1990, following the 1989 season. The Rams went 11-5, and knocked off the Philadelphia Eagles in the wild card round, and then on to New York to play the New York Giants, who are 12-4, the NFC East champions. They lived off their defense, led by Lawrence Taylor. The Rams had a pretty darn good offense. Jim Everett, Henry Ellard, Flipper Anderson. A little bit of foreshadowing there. This was the year Flipper set the still-standing NFL record of receiving yardage in a game in that overtime game against New Orleans. So the Giants came into this game. Their strategy was to muffle that Ram offense, keep the game low-scoring, take advantage of their opportunities, and things were going pretty well. They led 13-10 late. Rams drove down and kicked a late field goal with three minutes left to tie the game to send it into overtime. Rams get the ball first in overtime. 27-yard pass interference penalty gets the Rams to the Giants' 25. That was a much-debated call, Giants arguing that the ball was not catchable. But that was the call. Rams had the ball to 25. Rams coach John Robinson said after the game that they were just going to try to run it inside the 30 put it on the left hash mark, and get the field goal. But that changed after an illegal procedure call pushed the Rams back to the 30, which means Mike Lansford would have been faced with a 47-yard field goal. And remember, the Rams' offensive coordinator at that time was Ernie Zampezi, one of the great designers of pass plays in the history of the NFL. Robinson decided he wanted to be aggressive here, go for the TD, Ernie Zampezi was not one to provide any pushback with that idea. So they call pass play, 844 to be exact. This play called for Anderson to run a post pattern unless the defender was playing man-to-man. In that case, Anderson fades to the end zone. What made this play so memorable was Anderson caught the ball, ran through the end zone for the winning score, and never stopped running through the tunnel and into the locker room. Pretty good call that game by John Madden and Pat Summerall. It's a call I will never forget. It was just a really fun play by a great Ram receiver to secure a win in overtime. Hard to top that. If you're a Giant fan, this has to be one of those games that you'll never forget for all the wrong reasons. Giants should have won this game. And forget about that play to win the game in overtime. What about the play at the end of the first half? The Giants are winning 6 to nothing. Their game plan is working perfectly. They're stymieing the Rams' offense. Their defense is controlling the game. And then they get the ball one last time. They were going to run out the clock, but then Sims completed a pass 15 yards to David Meggett out to the 35. Another pass. Make it goes out of bounds at the giant 45 with 34 seconds left. So they're going to try to get one last field goal, get a little greedy here, hope to go up 9 nothing. And what happens? The next play, the pass is tipped by Jerry Gray. Michael Stewart, the Ram safety, returns it to the Giants' 20 with 24 seconds left. And then Jim Everett finds Flipper Anderson wide open up the left sideline, walks into the end zone, and suddenly the Rams have a 7-6 lead. 
The Rams also got a late field goal to tie the game. So there's three late scores, one at the end of the first half off a Giants mistake, a late field goal by Lansford to put it into overtime, and then that catch by Anderson through the end zone and into the tunnel, a day that most Giants fans would love to forget, I'm sure. Interesting note about this game, all three touchdowns were scored by someone named Anderson, two touchdowns by Flipper Anderson, one by Otis Anderson. The rest of the scores are field goals. There's a depressing aspect to this game as well. This would be a last hurrah of sorts for the LA Rams, for the Rams franchise. They would lose the following week in the NFC Championship game, and it would be another 10 years before the Rams were relevant again with the advent of the greatest show on turf. But what a day for Flipper Anderson. A touchdown at the end of the first half to put the Rams up and a touchdown in overtime, and then a run through the end zone, into the tunnel, and into the locker room. By the way, this game is available on YouTube, the entire game, if you want to go check it out. shouldn't be too hard to find. That's play number five. Next week, we'll move on to greatest play number four. I was having a discussion with another Ram fan, and we started talking about what this final roster might look like come opening day, what that 53-man roster is going to look like. And we started listing the guys that we thought were locks for this roster. And when I say locks, I mean truly locks. Who is going to be on this roster? What guys are going to be on this 53-man roster? And this Ram fan friend of mine and I collaborated. First we did it separately and then we compared notes. And we came up with almost exactly the same list. And I'm going to share with you my final list. I'm going to run down these names. I'm going to save this for cut down day. And I'm going to grade how I did when the time comes. So let me share you my list with me. And remember, and remember, these are roster locks. If there's someone I leave off this list... Before you think I'm crazy, give it some thought. Think about what that position group looks like. And then get back to me. Let's run down the offense. Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Deshaun Jackson, Tutu Atwell, Van Jefferson, Tyler Higby, Jacob Harris, Matthew Stafford, John Wolford, Andrew Whitworth, Rob Havenstein, David Edwards, Austin Corbett, Joseph Noteboom, Bobby Evans, Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson. There's 17 guys for you there, 17 on offense. Defense, Jalen Ramsey, Darius Williams, David Long, Jordan Fuller, Taylor Rapp, Terrell Burgess, Robert Rochelle, Nick Scott, Ernest Jones, Troy Reader, Okoronkwo, Leonard Floyd, Terrell Lewis, Aaron Donald, Bobby Brown, Ernest Brown, Greg Gaines, Ashawn Robinson, 
Sebastian Joseph Day. There's 19 guys on defense. One more, Matthew Gay. So we'll see how we do in a few months when they cut down. Those are my guys. 37 guys, 17 on offense, 19 on defense, one special teamer. So you want to clobber me on this, send me an email, ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. Maybe we'll even get you on and we'll discuss. The hardest thing to do was to evaluate this linebacker group. I must say, there's a lot of bodies there. A new defensive coordinator couple of guys on the verge of unrestricted free agency, couple of rookies coming in, couple of guys coming back from injuries, super complicated. So cut me some slack on that linebacker group. Just very few locks at this point. Let me know what you think. Ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach out to us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. Visit our website at ramsup.com. And please, subscribe and give us that five-star rating. We really appreciate it. And remember, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there.